0: Welcome back to the Full Court Press. It is Thursday, November 14th. I'm joined here by Anthony and Daniel. Guys, how's it going?
1: Uh, it's going pretty well. How's it going, Daniel?
2: Uh, greatest day of my life, just like every day is. Um, so we'll get into things real quick. Um, big news surrounding, you know, we've been doing a lot of basketball, but we'll, we'll bring up a little baseball story real quick. Uh, Houston Astros accused of stealing signs. Now, not the t- I'll explain what stealing signs is in a second, but... Um, Barry Bay accusations, considering that Houston was a World Series champion a couple years ago and it's been going on ever since. So in terms of stealing signs, even if you're listening to this, you're not too accustomed to baseball uh, lingo or whatever, sign stealing has been as old as the game itself. It's as simple as a guy standing at second telling the hitter all the way from second base by doing some sort of motion that a fastball is coming or a changeup, whatever. But we've had the rise of technology now. We have cameras everywhere. So, what the Houston Astros have been doing is they use the center field camera, the view pretty much that you're getting on TV. And if they see that a changeup, if they see it's a fastball is coming, you'll hear nothing. But if, it's, uh, if you hear that it's going to be uh, an off speed pitch, or you see it's going to be a curveball, right, you'll hear a little banging, a little. <coughs> that's basically what you hear. There's videos that are up on Twitter about this as well. But this is a way for the Houston Astros to basically know what pitch is coming. And if you look at some of the splits from that 2017 season, which is really when it happened, there's splits hitting at home and away almost night and day. So I just wanted to see what you guys think about, you know, it it is illegal. This is in the rule book that you cannot, you can steal signs, but you can't steal them using cameras, technology, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think this is just for the integrity of the game?
1: um pretty much i think it's since it is illegal i mean they shouldn't be doing it um i don't know if other teams have been accused of doing this in the past but with the astros specifically they i believe they won the world series that year so whether or not their championship is tarnished because of this whole scandal um until we find out more details i'm not entirely sure but overall i mean the astros you know they recently just went to the world series this year so that's not to say that they're not a bad team that they're not a good team because of the scandal, but overall, I think the Astros just shouldn't have done it. I mean, they should be able to tell by themselves what the pitches should be, and then go from there instead of just trying to communicate it through legal ways, pretty much.
2: Yeah, it's it's my opinion's probably more out of left field than anyone else's. Is that I personally think like I compare this to what the Patriots did in terms of Spygate and stuff like that, that. Right, they got in trouble for stealing signs. But what's the worst thing they not stealing signs, but for what Belichick did? What's the worst thing that they, they lost? What a couple draft picks, late draft picks. You know, it's Bill Belichick, so he he knows he knows what he's doing. He knows what the consequences. And I'm if I'm the Houston Astros, all right, we won a World Series. What's the worst that's gonna happen? They're gonna find us. They're gonna take away a couple draft picks, international money. Like, the risk versus reward here is the the reward is so much higher because. They got a World Series championship out of it. They were in the, they were they made the playoffs last year. They were in the World Series this year. You know it's, again it's very it's illegal. But if again if you're if you can get away with this, like why wouldn't you? And it's not like it's something that can't be stopped, right? If if you're a pitcher and you're picking this up, right? Call a changeup, and then you know this is the dirty way to do it. But you throw a change, call a changeup, and then you throw a fastball up and in. The guy gets hit in the head. Now he gets hit in the head because the dugout just told him it was a changeup, and he just got a 96, 97 mile an hour fastball and got concussed or got whatever injury because of it. And at that point, that's when that's really how you're gonna stop it when someone has to get hurt for it, or you just gotta adapt or die in terms of changing your signage. You know, it's um, it's something that can happen in any sport in terms of stealing signs, stealing plays, stealing whatever. But I think, you know, everything can be combated. And, you know, I think if the Houston Astros can, they pull it off for three years. So if they can they can do stuff like this, and they're not the only one doing it. Why not try to see what other competitive edge you can get, even if it comes at the cost of losing a couple draft picks, when at the end of the day, you'll trade that for a World Series championship.
0: Yeah, and I'm interested in knowing what you guys um, feel about the whole technological aspect of it obviously technology is getting involved more and more in every facet of sports not just baseball but technology is going to keep having more of an impact um, just as it has in our daily lives it's going to affect sports more and more so I just want to get to know how you guys feel about that Um, should that be avoided or should we just come to accept it
1: I mean at this point I think we're going to have to accept it no matter what um, especially like when the NFL, you have like pylon cams with the NBA, you have like sidelines, things of that nature. Ultimately, I think like refs, umpires, things, people that have those jobs will ultimately get replaced due to like robots. I know this is like me going really far in the future, but I think it's very possible. I mean, the whole idea of adding technology to baseball is just something, I think it's inevitable. It's just something that's going to happen. And if fans don't like it, then I guess that's their issue to deal with.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is uh, two of the guys who were instrumental in doing this, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran. Cora is the manager of the Red Sox, who got they were cracked down with sort of using Apple Watches to steal signs, I think, last year or two years ago. And then you have Carlos Beltran, who's now the manager of the Mets, who, again, they were both very instrumental in Picking these signs up and implementing using the camera. Now, granted, Cora was a coach. Beltran was still playing when this first got implemented in Houston. But, again, Carlos Beltran, that already gives you an idea of who, like, what he he will do anything to win. And you know what? People don't like Belichick. They don't like guys who do stuff like that. But at the end of the day, end of the day, are you going to let your morals decide what you're going to do or are you trying to win championships and build something? You know, this is your job. This is your livelihood. You're going to do whatever you can to make sure that you are putting the most successful product on the field and getting that competitive edge over someone else. All right, so now let's move on to a little NBA stuff. A lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, I guess we'll start local right now, and we'll talk about the New York Knicks. Uh, a lot of stuff going on over the last week. We saw after, I think it was that Cavaliers game where they got the crap kicked out of them. Uh, all of a sudden, there was a press conference, not just with Fisdale after the game, but now you had Scott Perry and Steve Mills talking to the media after the game. I think this was something that was set up as a from the top from Jim Dolan. Um, But I'm curious to see what you guys think about this and let's see what the future of even Fisdale, because it looks like not only Fisdale could get canned, it looks like Mills and Perry are also on the hot seat.
0: Yeah, um, I think David Fisdale is not going to last until New Year's based on everything that's been happening. And to be honest, it surprises me, but it also doesn't surprise me. The whole roster construction for the Knicks, I thought was doomed from the get-go. And I don't think Fisdale has done a good job at maximizing the guys that he he does have such as nilakina he wasn't really playing him after a great summer and then you know now he's only playing because of injuries and other you know personal situations such as dennis smith juniors then you've got bobby portis julius Randle, taj gibson um marcus morris all those four guys like you got to know how to use them rather than just julius Randle right now i think he has a huge turnover rate um, he's a huge ball hog right now. I know that I saw the other day he has the most seconds per touch in the NBA, so it's just very, not very conducive to what the Knicks are trying to do or what Fisdale seemed like he was trying to do last year. And then Mitchell Robinson too, you know, he's gotten into foul trouble, but Fisdale, the leash with him has been so short. And yeah, based on how everything's going, based on what Steve Mills said, based on, you know, Dolan's history in New York, I think, you know, this marriage is set to end in, disa- in disaster.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think with the way the Knicks are playing right now, I believe they're 2-9, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're basically one of the worst teams in the NBA. And there's a lot of reason as to why David Fisdale's job security is on the line. Point is, um, with the Knicks, you know, they got a lot of players that could work, but the way Fisdale has been coaching them, it just hasn't translated to wins. And with the Knicks, it's just, it's a disaster. Um, I originally thought that if they, like, all the pieces work together in, like, a dream world, uh, they can maybe make a run for the eighth seed. After the first few games, I just don't see it happening anymore.
2: And and the thing is with this team is, right, you didn't get Kevin Durant, you didn't get Kyrie Irving, you didn't get any big-name free agents, right? Your biggest guy was Julius Randle. What? Like, what were you actually like, expecting them to do? Like, I thought they could make an eight seed in the Eastern Conference, but you know, I think a lot of it has to do I don't like Fisdale's scheme in terms of trying to make Julius Randle a point forward because he's not that. That's why his turnover rates are so high. That's why in practice today, he even or yesterday, he even said to Fisdale, You're right, I want to, you know, I want to. Pass the ball. I don't want to look for my shot first. The entire practice, I want to look for other guys. And Fizdale said he did that, and he can and he did that the whole entire practice. And he said he's going to bring that into tonight against Porzingis and the Mavs. But I just I don't. I think there's a lot of decent to good pieces on this team, but it's a it's just a matter of you got to find the right rotation. Nilkeena should be the starting point guard. We've seen we've seen him play really, really well this uh, first few games of the season. I like the way he's playing. He's being more aggressive. Even when, again, that game in Dallas, he was being aggressive. He went at Porzingis. You know, he is trying to do whatever. He's making plays. He's not trying to just be a defensive guy. Um, R.J. Barrett's been great, and unfortunately, Robinson's been in and out of the lineup with his injuries, but I think we need to play through R.J. Barrett, play through Frank Ntilikina, play through Kevin Knox, Alondra Trier. Don't keep trying to play through Julius Randle because we've seen he's just a turnover machine when the ball's in his hand. Guy's strong as hell in the paint, but we can't continue to continue and continue to let him just do spin moves in the paint with two guys around him and continue to lose the ball. He's not a point forward, and we need to understand that. He's a very good player, but you need to know how to utilize utilize him in his strengths.
0: Yeah, and the Knicks taking on, as Daniel mentioned, the Dallas Mavericks at 8 p.m. today today is november 14th since the podcast isn't going to go up tonight probably but we'll be sure to talk about that game next week i think it's going to be a really fun game Um, when the knicks played dallas a couple days ago or a couple weeks yeah a couple days ago it was a pretty good game i mean nilakina going at porzingis like daniel mentioned porzingis i think he's going to want to have a big night today tonight at the garden so i think it's going to be an exciting game and I don't know. I mean, if the Knicks get blown out, does Fizdale make it past the weekend? I think it's definitely a question worth posing, at least.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that whole staff is going to get fired relatively soon. Because Jim Dolan realizes that he needs to make some major changes. Because the Knicks have been pretty bad ever since Melo was left the Knicks. You know, and, but then... Yeah,
0: yeah sorry. But, like, the thing is, then, you know, it's all good and dandy to make, you know, fire Fizdale, file Mills, fire whoever... In the front office but at the end of the day when you've been bad for 20 years or like at least relatively bad if not terrible for 20 years you have to look at jim dolan himself and realize that hey this is not the guy who should be running the knicks
1: i mean no i mean if i had a choice between dolan and the rest of the staff Dolan would be the one i would definitely get rid of 100 because he's let the bad knicks continue to be the bad knicks for as long as i can remember but ultimately that's not gonna happen because he owns the team so I think what he's gonna end up doing in order to try to salvage whatever's left of the Knicks, he's gonna try to fire the coaching staff, fire the GMs, um, and just try to revamp his whole staff, you know. Who he's gonna go after, I'm not entirely sure. There's not a lot of great candidates out there right now that's available. But, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see to see how the whole drama uh, turns out. Um but going to tonight's game, I'm just curious what you guys' thoughts are of Brazingus coming back to New York. Do you expect him <coughs> to get a warm welcome, or do you feel like it's going to be? No, what, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's going to get
2: boo just because of the way he went out. And, you know, he played very good against the Knicks a couple games ago when the Knicks were in Dallas, and that's actually how the Knicks got their second win. But I think he's going to come in here with a vengeance. He's going to want to have something to prove. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Randall and Morris they tried to, and Gibson, they tried to mix it up with Porzingis a little bit. Uh, I think Porzingis is going to come in here. thinks he still runs the city. Um, he's he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. You know the crowd's going to be always a sold out night, but tonight's going to be even more like when Melo came back when the when he was with OKC. Um, excuse me. So I think it's going to be a very heavily contested game. I think um, I think the Knicks are going to the Knicks as a team have something to prove. I think that loss to Cleveland was just demoralizing. I <laughs> It was frankly just embarrassing considering how well they played, even though they lost in their first four or five games of the season. They were in most of those games, I think, except for the Boston game at home. They were in every single game, um, especially the game where Tatum hit the game winner. So I think they're going to be play with a chip on their shoulder. I think it's going to be exciting to watch Luka uh, play again tonight. It's going to be interesting who guards him as well, not just Porzingis. Obviously, Luka Doncic is going to... Has been playing great as well. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a close game like it was when we were in when they were in Dallas as well.
0: Yeah, and Porzingis, I know he's gonna try to have a big game like Daniel said, but even though I don't love what the Knicks added this summer, you know, the likes of Randall, Gibson, Morris, they're the types of player that Porzingis struggles with because they're very physical, up in your face. Sure, they give up a lot of inches, really, because Porzingis is 7-3. But Porzingis, he has still does have a bit of a problem with physicality.
1: Yeah, I think with Porzingis, though, I think his nerves are going to get to him. So I think he'll definitely try to have a good game. I don't think his shooting efficiency will be there. So I think this would mainly be Luka Doncic's game to win for the Mavs. So I think Porzingis will get his touches, you know, get his shots. But overall, I think this is Luka Doncic's game to so show out.
0: Yeah, and Doncic, by the way, who has been playing like an all-star so far this season... I think right now he keeps this up. He should be an all-star for sure.
2: We'll move on to another NBA topic we got going on here. We'll talk about uh, the Lakers against the Golden State Warriors from the other night. Uh, Blowout win for the Los Angeles Lakers. They look really good. Um,
0: The Lakers do look really good. And Dwight Howard looks really, really good too, which surprised me. I think that's been one of the biggest surprises of the season for me. And Frank Vogel, surprisingly enough, I think he's done really well as their head coach.
2: Yeah, I like, I like the Vogel hire. I think they're doing a really good job. They didn't have Anthony Davis the other night too. So they, just to show you how much uh, that LeBron effect has, because again, he was dishing the ball to everyone. And of course, everyone except KCP made made the shots that were given to him, made the passes that were uh, given to him from LeBron. But you know, they're, I, we knew they were dangerous, um, and, we knew, and we know they're well-coached. You know, they got Jason Kidd on that bench as well. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see later on in the season, right? We got Paul George coming back. He's going to come back very soon. So going to be interesting to see as we get through the middle of the season, you know, who's going to pull away in that Western Conference. Is it going to be the Lakers or is it going to be the Clippers? Um, and just for Golden State, man, it's just – they're just a lost team. You know, it's – they're basically the Knicks right now, honestly. They, they're they not—outside of having D'Angelo Russell, you know, there's not much difference in between those two rosters right now.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, the game, specifically, I think this is like a game the Lakers were supposed to win. I mean, when you're going up against the Golden State Warriors, as, like you said, it's a pretty bad team, I think— with the Lakers, you know, yeah, Anthony Davis sat out due to load management. Um, LeBron's able to carry that team past the Warriors, who don't really have a leader at this point. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is definitely going to have to step up. But in terms of how far the Warriors are going to go this season, I think maybe number one pick. Um, but that we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But yeah, as you were saying, you know, the Lakers, they're playing very well at the first seed in the Western Conference. Uh, LeBron is doing his thing. AD is doing his thing. But it'll be curious to see who wins the Battle of L.A. once Paul George comes back.
0: Last night, the Houston Rockets beating the Clippers. James Harden, 47 points. Russell Westbrook had four fouls in the first half, in the first quarter, actually. Not even the first half, in the first quarter. And Harden still carried his team to a win. I thought this was an impressive showing for the Rockets, especially after what has been a pretty shaky start to their season. But Harden, again, putting the team on his shoulders. Good defense from the likes of P.J. Tucker. Clint Capella looks better than last season. So even though the Clippers are definitely the top two, one of the top two teams in the West right now alongside the Lakers, I do think the Rockets still have a role to play this season.
1: I think the Rockets definitely showed out. Um, they led pretty much for most of the game yesterday against the Clippers and it showed how dominant they can be when all players are clicking together. Um, the Rockets, though, as I've said before, have definitely need to work on their defense um if there's a reason why they're not a finalist contender that's the main reason if they can build their team defense together maybe not rely too much on threes and try to fit other things in their offense I think the Rockets can definitely make a shot with the finals
2: yeah it's, an, it's again another one of those interesting teams in the west um Harden's just balling out he's averaging almost 40 a game um I don't know how sustainable that's going to be for an entire season um and again, even if it is sustainable, can can this win championships? That's really the end of the day question. Um, but again, they're they're very it's very similar to what we've seen in the past from the Rockets. It's just now your number two player is Russell Westbrook, and again, much better than Chris Paul. Um, and they seem like they're really meshing well together. You know, I would like to see if um, you know I would like to see how deep this team can make a run in the playoffs, and if. You know, if this is sustainable, you know, Russell Westbrook's probably going to have to have a couple games where he's got to carry. I think I don't think Harden's going to play 82 games. Not because of injury, just think because load management is such a big thing in the league now. And those couple games that Harden sits out, those really could be the difference between all right, I got maybe we get a lighter schedule and we play the Spurs first round, then instead of having to face, I don't know, maybe Denver or a Utah Jazz first round of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, both of those two things that you guys are mentioned are going to be key. First of all, the defense kept the Clippers to under 100 points last night, but I'm not sure how much of that was actually the Rockets doing. Montrez Harrow went 2-for-12 from the field, which I don't think is really going to happen that often, especially since most of the shots he takes are very, very close to the basket. Lou Williams, 8-for-22. Kawhi only made 10 field goals, took 24, but only made 10, which I don't think is going to happen, especially later on towards the season. Once, you know, if this entire load management thing does pay off, he's going to have that lift back in his legs, so he's going to be making those shots later on. But, yeah, the Rockets need to straighten out their defense. They're going to need Westbrook big time in the playoffs, especially fourth quarter. We saw it the past few years. James Harden, he would get tired. He would get gassed. You know, the defenses would adapt, know what to concentrate, you know, know that they have to basically just force the ball out of his hands. And in earlier years, you know, you have Eric Gordon, sure, who's like a good scorer. You had Austin Rivers last year. You had P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella. But if those guys are taking shots, it's fine as long as it's not Harden. But now you've got Westbrook, you can't just concentrate all your attention on Harden. So you're going to need him, and you're going to need better defense going on.
2: Yeah, we've seen how much – you know, we've seen what Westbrook can do with no help at all. So, you know, yeah, you can force the ball out of James Harden's hands. And, again, Chris Paul, a very good player, but he's not the scorer – or he's not the offensive threat anymore that Russell Westbrook is now. He's a dynamic player. Again, he's one of those guys that can carry a team. He did it for, you know, a couple seasons in OKC. So it's going to be very very interesting to see how these guys are going to continue to go on throughout the season and, you know, I think at the end of the day, you got to do this in a seven-game series, you know, it Harden's conditioning's top-notch for him just to be able to do it for as long as he has. So it's just a matter of, you know, can Russell Westbrook really help him take that load off of, off of him? Because really, in reality, Harden doesn't need to score 38 points a game for the Rockets to win. You know, all he needs is to get 25 to 30, and, you know, Westbrook will help you take care of the rest along with the other supporting cast members they have. Um, so you just want to see... You know, Harden's balling out, too, so he's going to get to the free throw line, so his points aren't as stressful. But, um, you know, I'd like to see if Westbrook takes over a little bit more as we continue to go into the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, Towards the playoffs, um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden will definitely have to share the load. I still think it's James Harden's team, so he'll definitely take most of the load, but especially when he's struggling, Russell Westbrook, or Gordon, P.J. Tucker, they're going to be the guys that have to step up in order for the Rockets to win games which will lead to playoff series which will hopefully lead to a championship for them but until that happens um, we'll have to just wait and see
2: yeah the interesting about them too is they, they make your lives as a coach and make your lives so tough because if you look at um, you know just any other team with a good one good guard you know you can put your you know you if you have if you have another good guard on your other team as well. You put one guy on the player who's not as good and then one guy guards you know, the non scorer guards the score for the other team. But now you got two guys who like to have the ball in their hands, so you're really putting a lot of pressure. Like in the situation where you're playing the Clippers, right? Like we saw that the other night, they didn't have Paul George, but you know, Pat Bev <laughs> that Pat Bev wasn't enough. <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard wasn't really guarding Harden for a majority of the time. So in the playoffs, are you gonna go Harden and George guarding Westbrook and and Harden. I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I think they're gonna still trust Pat Bev, but you know you gotta be you gotta be really careful because they really torched them. And I think Westbrook, what we know, Westbrook and Beverly have got beef that spans back to college days. So it's just a matter of you know. Do you think Pat Bev can do this on his own, or do you think you got it? You might have to just say you know what. I'll sacrifice their offense to put our best guys on them.
0: Yeah, I think towards the playoffs, especially in late game situations, I anticipate, you know, if the Clippers and the Rockets do face off, then I'm hoping that James Harden is going to be guarded by Paul George in late stretches of the game. Um, PG definitely has the length, the mobility to really bother Harden in ways that I think Patrick Beverly doesn't. Not to say that Patrick Beverly isn't a good defender which is what Westbrook implied actually after the game yesterday saying that you know he only runs around and looks energetic but he doesn't really do that much but I think Harden actually he's a really really strong guard and he can just you know barrel through Beverly whenever he wishes or you know he has insane dribble moves in his arsenal whereas with Paul George I think he can definitely do a bit more to deter Harden Westbrook I'm not sure who you put on him. I mean, you can probably put Kawhi on him, but I feel like that's almost a waste w- of Kawhi.
2: I would just go George on Westbrook and Kawhi on Harden. Um, yeah. Because I think one of the things we see, that step back, any any on someone Pat Bev's height, he's going to get it off. Right, but We've seen a couple times you put a little length on him. A guy, he, we've seen Mitchell Robinson block. We've seen Mitchell Robinson block his, uh, his step back jumpers a couple of times. And, again, you put that height up there, it's going to be hard for him to shoot over. It. Kawhi's got those long fingers. He's got long arms. And I think he's definitely the guy to do it. And, plus, Paul George guard, uh, probably guarded Westbrook in practice in OKC. He's mm. um, played with him, so he knows his play style pretty well. So, you know, it's just a matter of how you're going to match up. Same thing with, you know, you, you face uh, you face the Lakers. Someone's going to – you can't put, you know, some you – you have to put one of those two guys on LeBron. You can't just – try to hope someone else is going to lock him up just so Kawhi can try to score 35 or 30. You know, sometimes you got to make those sacrifices if you're going to win a championship.
1: Yeah, I think overall Kawhi is going to have to guard the opposing team's biggest offensive threat. So with the Rockets, for example, I think what the Clippers should do is that they should put Kawhi Leonard on James Harden and then Westbrook. I mean, put Paul Jordan or Russell Westbrook. That way those two threats are contained to an extent, and then you put put um, Patrick Beverly on P.J. Tucker because P.J. Tucker doesn't really do much. He just shoots threes in the corner. And with the Lakers, I mean, it's interesting because LeBron, I think they'll most likely put Kawhi on him. But with Anthony Davis, you could try putting Paul George on him, but I don't think that would work out pretty well just because of the size yeah. and advantage. Yeah. And then you could, most likely what they probably end up doing is put Montrezl Harrell on him, but is he really a good defender? I mean, I know he's definitely improved his defense. Whether or not he can contain E D in a big game playoff it's, situation. I think, I
2: think the height difference is a little too much. I think we saw I I
0: might, that. First I, game. Yeah. I might even put I might try putting Kawhi on A D during certain stretches. That would
2: be that would be an interesting match. We saw in that first game too when uh, it was like in the first quarter, second quarter period. Yeah. Where they were just going right when LeBron was on the bench they were just going to Davis post up, post up, post up and they were just running the offense through him and he just kept uh putting the ball in the bucket. So it's it's very interesting to see what that dynamic is going to be, because I think they put in Zubac in the game. He did, he didn't do amazing, but he did a lot better than what Harold yeah. was doing too.
0: I think with Zubac, you just it's when AD yeah. stretches out to the three point line that I think he can't really handle that. Yeah. Or that LeBron AD pick and roll, I don't think he would be able to guard that. But I mean, yeah, then again, who, who's really able to guard that's, that? That's
1: yeah, really, just almost unguardable. Yeah, it's like, do you leave the three open or do you let him drive right by your set over mid range? You know, it's like your poison.
0: I think, yeah. I mean, there you just have to hope. Honestly, probably like AD taking a three is probably the best yeah. option there.
1: Well,
2: we saw the, I don't know if it was a set player design play that was ran the other night, but the play was uh, they're on the left side of the court by the benches. Uh, Caruso, Caruso's on the elbow. He, he gets a pass from LeBron, um, and he throws it to AD in the post. Who's on the right block, and LeBron sets an off-ball screen for Caruso. He goes. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then Davis dribbles back up. It's a little handoff to LeBron, and then it's pretty much a pick and roll from there. And LeBron either had they both guys went at LeBron, which is you know you're gonna yeah both guys go with LeBron. What do you have? Alleyoop for Anthony Davis. So there's a lot of just those two right there. Just a small play because that's not that's not. A fancy play but it's something so simple that both of those guys can run so perfectly and that's what that's a problem if you want to sag off a LeBron right he'll take the 18 footer
0: yeah and I mean there's just so many sets like that that the Lakers can run I mean even a couple of nights ago I'm pretty sure this was actually like in the same game but the Lakers were just running the same set for Avery Bradley every every time and it was like I think they got probably like four buckets and five possessions or something like that it was just Ad on one block, McGee on the other. You got a little horns action. Avery Bradley in the corner, and then you're giving uh, Javale McGee the ball. Ad sets the pick, double double screen situation into a tight pick and roll, and then you know you have got Avery Bradley running off the screen. He can get to the bu- into the basket. Javale McGee rolling, you know, lob it up to him, or you've got Ad in a mismatch. So if you run that same set with LeBron, I mean, it's over for everyone.
2: Yeah, that's it's really it's really what it is. And I know about 5.15 now, so I think we'll put a close to this week's edition of, excuse me, the Full Court Press. Um, let's talk about the, the issue coming out this week, next week.
0: Hopefully next week. Hopefully next week. Ideally we, next we week. We
2: have been suspenseful on this release of the press issue, um, but there will be writings from all three of us in there. I think um, so. I think so, right? All three of us in there. I think a couple of us got articles, or I know Wilco at least has an article up on the website.
0: Yeah, we all got articles we up on the website. We all them on the website, so well, except better. you, I think, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, working on getting me, it up by screw tonight. Screw me,
2: screw me. Um, but yeah, another another edition. Before you know it, we are running out of weeks here. We only got a couple more weeks left, right? We get next week. It's pretty crazy. Next honestly. week, full week, week after that, Thanksgiving. So time is flying by and for everyone here at Full Court Press, enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe on the weekend.